Welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Hoops podcast. This is our first regular season edition. The NBA regular season has actually tipped off. We have real games. Someone is winning and someone is losing your fantasy matchup. That's pretty exciting. I, of course, as always, am merely Andy Barons. I am joined by Yahoo's Dalton Del Don. Dalton, what's up? How you doing? Excited to talk some basketball. Actually, real meaningful basketball. My head-to-head home league last night. I had Fred Van Fleet, but was facing Danny Green. So you win some, you lose some. Uh, but yeah, excited. Basketball's actually tipped off. Were you petrified when Van Fleet uh, limped off? Yes, briefly? I know the ankle. I'm like, oh man, I love this guy. A lot of people pegged him as a you know, their favorite sleeper or whatever, but going crazy. And then, yeah, it lasted a whole one half, I felt like. But, hey, he came back, he returned, but who knows if he can last. But certainly looked right for one night. Let's get right into it then, since we're already talking Fred Van Vliet. I didn't expect to get uh, <laughs> to get drilled on to him right away. But let, let's just let's just dive in with number one and our starting five. The early games, early impressions. Is that just going to be par for the course for Fred? Is that what we're going to get pretty much every night going forward? 30, 30 plus, 35? Yeah, of course. Um, I don't know. This way, it may quiet the, the, the matchup talk as far as shooting guard. He may be locked into that starting five. Man, he was just so good in the playoff run. He can play defense and... Uh, maybe he's not going to shoot this well forever, but really good player. And I could see him being being that guy that, that still provided value, even if you did peg him as, as one of the breakouts and, and, and quote unquote reach for him. Siakam, though, he's the guy I'm jealous of not ending up in more drafts. What a monster he's going to be just just seemingly taking over, taking over for Kawhi Leonard. And obviously a favorable game with a high pace with New Orleans and a game that went into overtime. But some, uh, definitely a lot of fantasy goodies to talk about. Uh, everyone's favorite, Nikhil uh, Alexander-Walker. You know, the guy got a lot of hype toward the end of preseason. One yeah. of 10 shooting in 11 minutes. I mean, that's awesome usage rate. But wow, uh, guy is not the kid is not shy. <laughs> No, um, it's not an ideal fantasy line. You don't you don't want to start off with a one for ten. You don't want to start off, especially if you had him in a lineup for some odd reason. That that's that's no way to play. That's no way to live. You're right about Siakam. Crazy game, thirty four and eighteen before he fouled out, and didn't really look like he was hunting for shots either. Like a very natural thirty four and eighteen that just kind of fell into his lap. That was super exciting to see. Other takeaways, no Lonzo Ball, I believe, at all in the fourth quarter. We saw him in overtime. I thought I thought the rotations got a little weird in the second half. J.J. Redick, who was great, uh, almost didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. I think he checked back in with, with about two minutes left to play, immediately made his presence felt, drew the sixth foul on Siakam, hit a leaner, hit a couple of tough shots was great but like again I, th- I thought the rotations were a little bit weird for new orleans i know they got a lot of guys and a lot of stuff to figure out without zion but uh that alarmed me a little i have a lot of reddick so uh I-, I need to see especially with zion out i need to see him play in like 30 minutes yeah ball looked good though i will say i'd be encouraged if i were an owner i, I know it's frustrating this one night but as you said it's going to take some time they'll get it situated he looked good so i'd be encouraged so did brandon ingram and if that guy looks right he could he could be a monster. Derek Favors was a frustrating game because I people liked him, you know, to break out in that yeah. situation, especially without Zion. We'll talk more about Zion specifically, but Favors had a bad game. I'm sure he'll shake shake it off. Yeah, Lonzo Ball. That was really weird. The 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 rotation. I'm not quite sure there because he's such a good defender too. And Drew Holiday, a guy that crept even in the end of first rounds in some fantasy drafts, uh, didn't have the best game, but he'll bounce back. I'm sure too. It's not much of a it's not much of a fantasy point to make, but I, I think you also saw like right away from that first game, you saw a lot of the officiating points of emphasis that are going to go down this year. You saw them call, you know, pay strict attention to pivot feet, right? Like that's that's apparently a huge point of em- point of emphasis. You saw 
The offensive fouls called when an arm is extended. We saw that a few times. Technicals late in the game when players are demonstrative with refs. We saw a lot of that. Some of them were pretty questionable. I thought I thought the one on Gasol was pretty sketchy. But anyway, the, the refs made their presence felt in what I thought was an important way, something that is going to carry over presumably throughout the rest of the season. That first game was just really good. The first game, honestly, was better than the second. Yeah, I know. Agreed. It was definitely it was a, it was a great one to, to start off with. Uh, what do you think of the next one, though? The L- Battle of L.A. I mean, the Clippers won without Paul George. I mean, I I, among a lot of people, picked him to win the title this year reluctantly, you know, sadly as a Warrior fan. But this team is going to be so good defensively. Any t- takeaways uh, other than Danny Green going crazy? That's Yeah, well, that might be one of Danny Green's, like, five best games, I, I would say, of the year. Like, I wouldn't get too comfortable with Danny Green in my, in my starting fantasy lineup necessarily. The Clippers are scary. The Clippers are just going to be a terror. Because, that again, that was them defensively without Paul George. Their perimeter defense when it's, you know, fully operational, Kawhi, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, that that's crazy. That's that's as good as any in the league. They are going to be really, really good. I thought Harrell was a badass. Lou Williams was a badass in all the ways that we expect him to be. I didn't think that the Lakers defended him particularly well. The Lakers are going to, I know he doesn't want to do it, but the Lakers are probably going to need to get into a lot more Anthony Davis at, at the five situations because they just didn't, I don't know. To my eye, they just did not get a lot out of McGee and Howard. I don't even think they rebounded particularly. And they end up like with a combined eight rebounds or something like that in, in I don't know, 30 plus minutes. Howard was a foul machine. That wasn't great to see. First of all, circling back to Danny Green, I noticed that he ranked first among all shooting guards in real plus minus last year. I don't know how great of a stat that is. When you factor in his defense, he could have been just such an underrated signing for both Laker fans and who knows for fantasy owners, you're probably right. Though he's such a hot and cold player, it's probably go down as his best game of the year. And you mentioned the rebounding over there, but it also for fantasy terms, you know, is are McGee and Howard just going to cancel each other out? Like I hope not. I mean, Howard got the later buzz, and there was an awkward kind of uh, chest bump between him and AD before this game. It was kind of funny, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, yeah uh, they'll get it together. Whatever early in the season, and all these so many new parts for all these teams. But uh, those are some things to watch out for sure. Is the front court in LA? I thought LeBron looked a little, I mean, LeBron's always great, right? He always has his moments, maybe a little creaky. Anthony Davis from the line wasn't great. That's obviously not going to continue, but half of the losing margin in the game would have been bridged if uh, Anthony Davis was just making free throws. So not not a great game from either of the Lakers' two stars, but you'll take it fantasy-wise. Yeah, it's so interesting to me just to see what wins out with LeBron. Uh, extra rested like we've never seen LeBron versus age is finally going to catch up to LeBron. <laughs> I mean, it might just cancel each other out. And we get a similar season would be the boring answer, but uh, that's going to be fascinating to watch. There might not be 10 players that I enjoy watching in the NBA more than Lou Williams. Like he was, he's just really fun. Like when you get a full game of Lou Williams and he's going off and especially when he's weirdly being given some opportunities that you know Lou wants to take. He was just really fun to my eye. Oh, he's great, when, especially when he's off the bench and he's not playing with other stars. His usage rate is treated like he's a top three player in the NBA. So he is definitely a fun guy to watch. The guy can score, man. Is that just going to be par for the course, by the way, for Montrezl Harrell? Is that just what it's going to be every night? Because he was great. He was sensational. I think he played the most minutes of anybody on the Clippers. It might have been 37, 38 minutes. He was, he was terrific, too. Yeah, I mean, I love the player. I was skeptical from fantasy terms that he could match what he did last year because of all the new parts. But, boy, his first game was certainly encouraging. Yeah, you said the most minutes. So, yeah, it looks like he can retain plenty of fantasy value, even if he's not starting, for sure. 
Yeah, I'm looking up his line right now. It was 38 minutes. He played 38 minutes last night, and it was great. Super active. That was, I thought, just really, really encouraging. He's not going to, like, not a great percentage shooter from the line. That's going to be that's gonna be a bit of a drag. There are obviously some holes in his fantasy game. But, man, if he's going to get 30-plus, he was really fun. He was awfully frisky. I liked him. Yeah, Zubac saw, uh, saw less than 10 minutes. But, uh, yeah, Harold's a great, great player. Okay, let's move to issue number two, and it's been a while since you and I spoke, and in that time, Zion Williamson went from being like a no-doubt second-round pick for fantasy purposes to somebody who's going to miss uh, two months-ish of the of the season. They're saying six to eight weeks. It's a meniscus. He's had the procedure done. What are your thoughts on this situation now? When would you expect him to return? Yeah, my call on my NBA draft stock report was up not less than two hours when that news came out. I was leading with Zion, of course. They uh, led the picture with him as well. I mean... Because you're just chasing clicks. You're yeah, just of chasing course, clicks, exactly. Right? You, know, you know me. I mean, the guy shot 71% in the preseason, and you said a no-brainer second rounder. That's why I wrote that, because we weren't saying that a month ago. You yeah. know, we were not saying that at all. So he looks like uh, just a total beast. And yeah, so then, then I did... He was, again, in the preseason game that I went to at the United Center, he was 12 of 13. That's, that's all right. Yeah, and his, <laughs> he was, I mean, he was 12 of 13 from the floor. That was His crazy. shot shot's hilarious, too. It's just like all into the hoop. But um, he, uh, so then I had to draft Monday night after that news, and he went 62nd. I looked it up for this. Um, and that seemed, I guess, about right. But I guess it depends if you can have an IL spot, head-to-head or whatever. Or that's maybe even too high, really. I mean, six to eight weeks. I'm going to chalk this up as hopefully just an isolated event. But obviously with him and his body size, I guess he measured at six foot six, And he's so big. I like what all they're saying. It sounds encouraging. They're letting him be him. And they're not trying to you know, mess with his, you know, his body or whatever as of now. But uh, what's your takeaway, Andy? I mean, obviously, this is a discouraging start. Yeah, stuff like this. Obviously, there's nobody on that roster. There's there's hardly anybody in the league who's like a fair comp for what we think Zion can be. So it's not like anybody steps. He, like Zion Williamson doesn't have a role. Like it's not like somebody steps into his role and steps into those uh, into those numbers. It like it is potentially good for. I don't know, how many shots would you would you think he would be expected to take in a given night? We're, we're talking about a player who's going to put it up 15, 16 times a game. So obviously some of that falls to Ingram, who always chases shots. Some of that a little bit probably falls to Holiday. I did not like many of the bigs that they brought into like. Okafor played some some crushing minutes, had a couple of brutal fouls late in the game. Like, I really like him and I root for him. He's a he's a Chicago Public League kid, Whitney Young kid. I, I absolutely root for him. He he had some rough minutes in there playing what would presumably be some of Zion's minutes, I would think. Melly looked good. Melly drained, I want to say it was four threes in the game. He's probably a guy that's got to play a little bit more. Might be something there for fantasy purposes, at least in a couple categories. I'd say in a general sense, so the takeaway here is it increases all these values. That's why Drew Holiday was going in the in the late first and Ingram and favors for sure. Just the usage rates are all going to go up while Zion is, is sidelined. And it's a bummer for... You know, NBA fans, I mean, I was going to probably pick them to, to make the playoffs, maybe even. I mean, that's such an, an interesting team. Right. I mean, so it just really sucks. But but yeah, it increases all the fantasy players values that are on New Orleans. And you mentioned a couple of those interesting bigs and deeper leagues for sure. I wonder if it doesn't impact. I'm just thinking of this now. I'm wondering if it doesn't impact his willingness to participate in the dunk contest, which is a oh, thing that I sure. desperately want. Right. It's going to it's going to be in Chicago oh. and planning to attend this thing. I forgot. I didn't I've, realize that I've, he's going to be in n- Chicago, too. Yeah, he definitely he was talking about that. He was going to do it. So I, I felt like he was at that point. Once you leave that door open, I feel like he was going to do it. But now, yeah, all bets are off coming off of a torn meniscus but like you got to catch these guys in their first like two years if they're ever going to do it right and now i feel like oh are we ever going to get zion in the dunk contest so that's so that's that's a good point i didn't even think of and especially it's right in your backyard that sucks 
Topic number three that I want to get to involves your team, which are they ever going to play a game? By the way, they don't even play tonight. There's like 11 games tonight. We had two last night and the Warriors are nowhere to be found. Why are they ducking everyone, yeah. Dalton? First, I'm of going tomorrow. I'll get to see Chase Center open um, against the Clippers with no Paul George. But uh, I'm a little worried after. Uh, we'll talk more about the Warriors. Clay Thompson. I actually like what they did. I like what Steve Kerr did, uh, essentially coming out and saying that he's unlikely to play this season. The reason I like it it is obviously it doesn't really change the timeline for Clay Thompson, but it puts zero expectations on him, which is as it should be, right? It, it would take a perfect recovery scenario for him to get in action, I would think, by March or April. So this basically clips all discussion off, right? Like you're like you don't have to talk about it once a, once a coach has said that there's no expectation that he's coming back. So I like that he did it. It doesn't really change, you know, like if you'd stashed Clay Thompson on an IR spot in a fantasy roster. I would say keep him there because this is just the kind of thing that a responsible organization would say, in my opinion. Yeah, Fantasy Pros kind of bullied me in the rankings, making it seem he's out for the season, you dummy, and you have him ranked. So I really lowered him. But you're right. You shouldn't like, yeah, if you hold. Oh, that little thing when you go to yeah, publish yeah. your ranks and they tell you what yes, an idiot yeah. you are for having a guy. In exactly. Yeah, so, so it bullied me to drop him even further. But you're, I, I don't think it changes too much other than expectations. I mean, this guy had surgery in July, not until July, actually, when the swelling went down. So the timeline as an optimistic fan who thinks Clay is one of the toughest guys, I mean, they suffered a high ankle sprain that people said would have been like six weeks and he missed a day in the, in the postseason with it. But the reality is Kerr is right. And, and it prob- the, the odds are it would take them to be certainly in the playoffs, everything going and, and the recovery to go absolutely perfectly. So it's unlikely to happen, but still very, you know, if they make the playoffs and Clay feels like he can play, he will. Yeah, I always go back to the way the Bulls handled uh, Derrick Rose's injury and they always left the door open, right? Like they they just should have said something like all teams should do this. They should say something publicly that is just super conservative that sets out like almost a preposterously long timeline to give the player plenty of cover and to let them recover sort of on their own, you know, uh, everybody has a different timeline. Everybody is going to feel something different. Um, Clay definitely seems like the type of, based on the behavior that we've seen from him in postseasons past, you have to assume that Clay is going to going to want to get on the floor as soon as possible, as long as he doesn't have any uh, set. Yeah, I've already seen footage of him shooting, and that guy's like crazy. He's probably attacking his rehab like a maniac. It was a perfect thing that Kerr said. When I first heard it, I was bummed, but then I thought about it. And it's like, well, of course. So, so yeah, it makes total sense. Another injury, far less serious. Topic number four. Blake Griffin is going to be sidelined until November-ish, early November, something like that. It's a medley of issues, right? It's the knee, it's the hamstring. We talked about him either in the last episode or the episode prior. Both of us fairly worried about him. He still was going like round four, round five in drafts, despite all of the things that are going on and the, the complicated medical history there. How are you feeling about him now? Does anybody anybody on the Pistons roster actually benefit from this in any way? And if you could if you could just redo a draft right at this moment, would he even be on your board? Oh man! All right. So I had a RotoWire Online Championship draft Tuesday morning. So uh, at that point, this news had not broke, and I needed a forward. And after just talking bad about him here on this podcast with you, he fell into the seventies, and I took him. And I was like, all right, you know, whatever. I'm just drafting the, I feel like at that point, whatever, I'm not going to be stubborn about it. And then this news came out. So it's pretty bad. But don't you think it's kind of referenced a little out all of October? I mean, how many games is that? I mean, I was already concerned about him. So I wouldn't knock him completely off my board. It's actually nothing. It's like like a couple weeks in your fantasy. Yeah. And we went over it last week. His stats were just so good when he was on the court. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's funny that I end up with him on one of my teams at the overall prize. So swinging for the fences. But, um, 
obviously this is poor news, but no, I'm not writing him out completely off my board. I mean, I think he's still, I would still draft him not crazily after where I got him in the 70s. I, I think he's a top 80-ish player still. Is that crazy? I actually got to say where you got him seems like about where I would have him right now. So I, I don't I don't think that you paid any kind of you're not going to pay any kind of serious price there. He had been going in drafts that I'd been in 40s, 50s. Right. So I don't know. Get, give it a week and a half. Downgrade him 30 spots. That seems about right to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's already a lot of a lot of skepticism already built into his draft price. Right. Like if you could get last year's numbers and you were guaranteed 75 games, that guy would not be going in the 40s or 50s. That guy would be like a second round pick, arguably a back end of the first round pick. He was, you know, he like Blake Griffin's name was in MVP discussions for a little while last year because he started out so well. The only issue here is ongoing health and his medical history. Feels like I mean, it feels like he's been around forever. He's just 30 years old. I guess the answer would be Mar- Marquise <laughs> yeah. Morris would be the beneficiary if you're deeper fantasy leagues. But yeah, that's where I stand. Yeah, it's like it's like guys who can't possibly do the things that Blake does, yeah. right? It was Markeith Morris. It would be like Christian Wood. It's just no, like nobody's going to – those numbers just go away. Some of those numbers just go away. Former lottery pick Thon Maker is on the roster, it would, it would appear. Oh, God. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's where I stand with Blake Griffin, and now suddenly I'm, I'm rooting for his recovery, but I should have known better is basically what my answer to you is. Okay, last topic in our starting five. I just, I just want to throw it out there – all of these extensions happened in in the last week, right? Bradley Beal got two years. Pascal Siakam really got paid, deservedly so, off the off the finals. Um, we saw his potential last night. Jalen Brown got paid. Buddy Heald, uh, Sabonis. Pick one of these players. Pick more than one. I don't know. What are, what are your impressions about the... It's not really a fantasy question per se, just an opportunity to talk about these guys. Most of them are fairly buzzy fantasy commodities anyway. What are your thoughts? Any any of these deals strike you as particularly bad? Good. Siakam Monster has said, uh, Beal, I guess it helps because he's locked in that high usage role if he can't be traded this season. So I'd say it's good news. That's why he's crept in. You know, it's a first round pick now, top 10 pick. By the way, as I understand it, he can't be traded this year and he has a trade kicker in the in the deal that it's like a 15 percent trade kick or something like that so we're like we're like off the beal trade discussion for now right it looks it. so convoluted all the options i probably read the same update reviews you did i mean it was yeah but that from what the most important thing is this year beal's locked in there so that's a you know a huge usage rate jalen brown you know it doesn't seem like his his game translates to to the terrific you know fantasy value but he's so young i grabbed him in a couple leagues especially uh points leagues later and buddy healed I live fairly close to the Kings, too. I mean, I didn't want to see this franchise make yet another mistake. I mean, Luka Doncic already passing over him last year. Now, if they let Heald go, because that trade looked like a ripoff and they got rid of Cousins. It's a, it's a ripoff the other yeah. way very quickly. I mean, that's pretty wild uh, how quickly that things can change. So I was just happy to see him stay in a franchise like the Kings. for A great fantasy player, man. That guy is a real, real nice player. And Sabonis, he's one of the interesting things of the season is how he's going to coexist with, with more minutes uh, coexisting in the front court with Miles Turner. Yeah, Heald is really someone whose college game translated to the to the NBA itself so seamlessly. I mean, you know, an easy forty percent three point shooter. He, I, like, I feel, I feel like Heald, Heald doesn't have to be any better to earn this contract, right? If Heald is just the guy that he was last year, the year before, this is the right contract for him. I guess the, I guess the one deal that was handed out where I was like, oh, well, this guy's got to get better if he's going to justify it is is probably Jalen Brown. Yeah, he's so young, and that, that's fair. One thing I'd say about Heald is, uh, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, recently he uh, gained a year, like overnight. There was some snafu in how old he was. So he's actually a year older than what the Kings thought when they drafted him. Crazy. Now all these new heights that are supposedly coming out that are actual, uh, specifically the exact heights. 
Uh, you're, you're right about Jalen Brown. I mean, it's all the hype with him. It looked like this team was going to walk into the finals the next four or five years, but uh, he's not quite lived up to it. But clearly there's the two-way player here. Not quite Paul George, but there's the upside of being a very, very impactful real-life player. Yeah, for sure. We're going to be joined on this show by Trey Kirby, Yahoo alum, formerly of the Starters, uh, now the No Dunks podcast on The Athletic. But before we get to Trey, I just want to make quick mention of uh, you published on Twitter uh, yesterday, I believe, some season predictions. I want to go over just a handful of those. Give yourself an opportunity to defend some of the more insane predictions that you've made here. How about let's start with MVP. How about how about Jokic at MVP? Talk me into that one. Talk me into Jokic, even top three in MVP vote. Uh, Giannis is the obvious. That's the safe pick. I just didn't want to do boring. He really is a favorite to win back-to-back. Harden, I don't know. I just feel like it with, with, with Westbrook there and the voters just want to don't want to go there. I wanted to pick Embiid. Load management scared me off. My guy Curry is just going to be tough with seeding. So I picked Denver with the number one seed. So give me their best player, Jokic, man. Do you know what he averaged in the playoffs last year? 25, 13, and eight and a half against the best competition. I mean, this guy's a monster. He plays 80 games. I mean, maybe they'll sit out more this season, but I think they actually want the one seed this year, and that's going to result in Jokic, especially if you can get his odds right now. I like him. So I should have mentioned that uh, we probably need to sync some of these predictions with your actual, because you you not only gave award winners, you gave order of finish in the West and the East, at least in the playoff spots. And I'll grant you, that if the Nuggets are actually going to get the number one seed, then Jokic is going to get some consideration. But you also had the Rockets with the number two seed. Like, if that happens, it's hard for me to imagine that James Harden is not going to average, I don't know, 34, 34, 6, and 6, something like that, and challenge for... uh, He'll definitely have the numbers edge over Jokic in that. Yeah, again, Westbrook is high usage, but no, he's going to get his. And I just think the voters think they're tired of Harden. I just feel like the voters are soured on him. But it's going to take a different narrative. Like, why go again there unless he does something extra special? Because his numbers are already video game like. I'm not going to argue with you there. I mean, I mean, it's Harden's numbers are going to be sick, no doubt. You also had the you had the Clippers. Now, this is again, this is before opening night. You had the Clippers at four and the Lakers at five. I, I kind of accept the idea that neither of these teams cares very much where they play playoff games, right? Like they're veterans. Kawhi can obviously come into your build, come into your building and win. LeBron can come into your building and win. They are not home court dependent teams. And there's going to be some load management stuff going on there. But man, four and five. Number one, it would be an all time four versus five opening round postseason series. So that would be fun. Maybe you're just trying to will it into existence. But talk to me about those teams in the middle of the pack in the West. Yeah, it was 100% just load management. Those teams are really going to sit their stars very much not going to care about the, the the regular season. And plus, I needed to work it to where the Warriors had an easier first seed to I mean, first round or do to get in there. But um, no, I, I really <laughs> do think this, the, the regular season, those LA teams are just not going to take nearly as seriously at all. I, I don't think even that's crazy at all. I mean, I, I think even if you look at season win totals, that that fits right right around there, but um, I could be wrong. But it feels like the Nuggets and their their extra yeah, they so such the home court. The other teams don't I think that's going to help them. But for sure, I picked the Clippers to win it all. So I think when push comes to shove, they have the best roster, and the Lakers arguably the second best. So you're right. I just did it because of this team. Uh, they're just not going to care and or injuries. By the way, Anthony Davis. 
big injury risk and Paul George, Paul George, you know, dual shoulder surgeries. Those aren't, those aren't sure thing. You went pretty chalky in the East, 76ers over the Bucks. No Spurs, by the Clippers way. That's the, the one thing, sorry, no Spurs. You know, no, no flack for that. That's the one thing in the West real quick that people gave me hard. I wanted to be a little uh, man, different. Man, the West is hard. Like, as I think about the West, I want to, I want to say that like 10 different teams are playoff locks, but it can't work out that way, right? Like the West is just hard. Yeah, I wanted to be a little different with, with the mass. But anyway, sorry, go ahead with, with the East. What were you saying? Yeah, yeah. So you like 76ers over Bucks. I can certainly see it. There's not many teams that can contend with the size that the Sixers can throw on the floor at any given time. That probably assumes some sort of leap in production or skills from Ben Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. Where is the shooting going to be? I know. But the defense is going to be so tough in the end of playoff games in the second half when it really comes to that. I know. I don't think the regular season is going to be quite as pretty in their team. That's why I don't have them again as the one seed coming out though of their own conference. But uh, yeah, come playoff time. I get it. I'm not sure what the rotation is going to look like, or where the shooting is going to come from. But um, I really think Embiid's going to uh, is a special player. And, uh, you know, right there is one of the best players in the NBA. Man, Clippers Sixers would be an all-time defensive yeah, series. Yeah, I know. No, it really is. But that, those are the teams that get it done in the postseason, man. So that, that's what I'm betting on again this year. Not my uh, Warriors, unfortunately. Defense is not going to be their forte. <laughs> and I know I, I, that's all going to – I have them win the playoff series. It's only going to come down to there. They're going to have to stay healthy in the regular season to where Clay comes back because it could go sour the other way. And if they're not doing well and Clay sits out, it's going to be a, you know, a, a miss the play, uh, playoffs. And it's going to be tough to do after being to five straight finals with Curry. And I wanted to pick him to be the MVP. But realistically, the lack of depth in the defense, my Warriors are definitely they're definitely uh, they're they're a long shot to make a deep run. Yeah, the way the way your playoff seeds shake out, it would go the Warriors would have to get past the Jazz, which would be a really fun series like the Warriors with Clay having just returned against the Jazz. If the Jazz are fully healthy, that would be really fun. And then they would have to get past the Rockets and then face the Clippers. That is a that is a gauntlet. Yeah, they got past the Rockets last year without Durant. I mean, come on. They could, they'll, they'll be fine. But yeah, I know. That is a gauntlet. No doubt about it. It's. Uh, I did not have him going past either of the L.A. teams. So that's, uh, uh, yeah. The Clippers are the... What, who's your pick, Andy? Can't let me have to go up all, totally on the limb here. Oh, man. Like, last night only reinforced it. It's. Uh, it would definitely be the Clippers. I don't... I, like, I'm not looking at Vegas odds right now. So that they aren't necessarily the team that I that I would maybe bet. Like, I think it's a clean path for both the Sixers and the Bucks to get to the finals, right? So maybe you want to bet that direction. I don't even have a clear favorite there. That's going to come down to injuries. The The Sixers are super fun, going to be a great defensive team, ridiculous length. If Giannis adds like a thing to his game, if he adds any kind of jumper that you even have to contest, it doesn't like he doesn't even have to shoot like 33, 35% from three. But if it just like, if you have to come out and guard him, that matters a lot. Like he just, if he just adds a little bit, then it would really tip it in for uh, for Milwaukee for me. And this is a year that I could legitimately see an Eastern team winning it. But still, if you, if you made me take one team and give somebody else the field, I, I'd probably be on the Clippers. Yeah, and the Bucs, it's, it's tough. The system's really good. They'll probably have home court. We'll see, you know, missing Brogdon if Bledsoe can can show up in the playoffs. But certainly no argument that the Bucs are, 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 are a sound bet because they might be the most likely team to play in the finals. Okay, so we've heard at least some of Dalton's insane predictions. And speaking of insane predictions, let's get to Trey Kirby. Really, really happy to be joined by Trey Kirby. If you are part of the Yahoo audience, then you probably already know Trey. 
Uh, he is now the co-host of the daily No Dunks podcast, uh, which you can find on the Athletic Network. He's formerly of the Starters. He is, of course, a Yahoo alum from way back in really, the, really what were the glory years? I, I think Trey's a longtime Brad Miller enthusiast. We we share that common bond. You probably already follow him at Trey Kirby, Kirby with an E. You should definitely follow the podcast account at No Dunks Inc. That's Inc. with a C. Welcome, Trey, and congratulations on the new pod the new show uh thank you very much though hearing you say the handles back to me i didn't realize i had so many things that were typo worthy spellings i know it's been <laughs> the case for my entire life i've been getting mail for t-r-a-y-c-u-r-b-y since i was three years old so that part i'm used to but the ink hadn't even thought about you could use a k there nonetheless we're already verified so too late i mean there are probably other trey kirby's out there that get a fair amount of abuse related to your takes and don't deserve any of it yeah the the trey kirby's that i have encountered randomly through the internet are more than i would have ever imagined i don't know i've gotten you know maybe 5 emails sent to the wrong trey kirby they're like i think this one <laughs> is for you uh, but it's just good to know that, you know, with a, a name that you don't hear very often, they're still out there. There are Trey Kirby's somewhere out there in America, just roaming the streets, growing beards, being creeps. Who knows? <laughs> Give us just your first impressions of last night's games. It was a, you know, there were only two, but they were good. The first one particularly good. Uh, do, do you have the Clippers just steamrolling the West now? Uh, it's hard to watch last night's Lakers Clippers game and not come away thinking that the Clippers Going in, we're the favorites, and having seen them play one game, they seem like favorites already. That's before getting Paul George back. Kawhi Leonard just slotted in as seamlessly as anyone was thinking heading into the offseason. You know, the the Clippers had the rep of being a defense-first effort team, and that fits in perfectly with Kawhi Leonard. And as we saw last night in the very first time that they were actually playing together in a game that mattered, it did fit together perfectly. When the defense really picked up at the end of the first half, and the Lakers just didn't seem like they could even get the ball into the post. The Clippers look scary. And that's with Patrick Patterson playing the four for him. Eventually, that's going to be Paul George. This team looks tough. They just have waves and waves and waves of players who play hard, know where to be, and are given an effort on defense. I don't know how you beat them, but it was fun to watch. And it was a fun night of basketball. There aren't always great games on opening night. But like you were saying, Pelicans Raptors, that was a great game too. Shout out to Nick Nurse calling for the 30-foot ISO for Norm Powell. <laughs> ensuring that the Raptors stay on national TV here in the United States. The league wants them there. The networks, they're not so sure. But Nick Nurse is going to call up an ISO for Norm Powell to bomb away from way downtown. Good way to stay on TV. That's that's hilarious that you bring that up because, like, Nick Nurse is so good out of timeouts. They run such fun stuff out of timeouts. And then the biggest possession of the game is Powell shooting, like, a 28 or 30-footer. That made no sense to me. Yeah, it was crazy. I thought uh, Nick Nurse was really was really feeling himself last night between that and going with the coach challenge in the first quarter of the very first oh, game. Yeah. It, it was very similar to me to uh, Steph Curry throwing up that 40 foot air ball when the chase center opened. Nick Nurse <laughs> wanted to be the first guy who was going to get a coach's challenge in during the regular season. And he did it. And he lost. So, you know, that seems to be how the coaches challenges might go a little bit this year. So off to a great start with it. 
I just want to mention that my co-host Dalton Del Don has the Clippers finishing fourth in the West. We were talking about that before you came on. I see no way that happens. I have, I have been winning it all, by the way. I have been winning it all. I have him load management and not caring. <laughs> so he's he's making me look. I have them winning the championship. So anyway, what do you, what do you, where do you have them in the seating though, Trey, as far as, as far as, you know, who's going to take the regular season seriously? I actually agree a lot with what you're saying. I think that they are the best team that's going to be ready for the playoffs. And having seen the way that Kawhi Leonard played with the Raptors last year, having seen the way that the best teams in the league have approached the regular season during the regular season for the past, I don't know, seven seasons, basically, to when LeBron and D Wade kind of pioneered the rest concept down in Miami. I don't think that the the Clippers are going to be falling over themselves to try and get the number one seed in the Western Conference. I don't think the Lakers are either, but I think that their goals, both of these teams, are going to be to be peaking in April. And uh, clearly LeBron has been doing that for the past 10 years of his career. Kawhi has figured it out as well. So yeah, I I can see the Clippers uh, chilling a little bit during the regular season, turning on in the playoffs. That being said, that was all what I thought before I saw last night. (laughs) <laughs> Even if they don't have Paul George, they looked incredible. Like they could still easily win 60 games with Kawhi and Paul George taking turns playing 41 each. They don't need everybody because they have so many guys. I've been listening over the last couple of days to uh, the earliest no dunks pods, the the sort of preseason bold predictions, award predictions. So I want to get into a little bit of that with you because you had a really fun MVP prediction that I myself am not quite bold enough to throw out there. But you had Joel Embiid, which I can totally see. And I might be able to see it if he even plays 60 games. I am I, I am excited to see the season in which he wins an MVP. And I would love to hear the scenario in which he wins it. Yeah, I don't know. To me, heading into the season, you kind of just got to throw your lot in with some teams. And for me, the Sixers are one of those teams. Embiid, the last time we saw him in the playoffs, he was getting sick. He was having injury problems. He just wasn't at 100%. So according to him, at least, he focused a lot on his body, got ready to to carry an even bigger load for the Sixers this year. They're going to need it. They're not quite as deep as they were last season, but their starting lineup is incredible. I think they're going to be a great defensive team, picking up Al Horford to slot in at the four, give Embiid some rest at the five. So I think that team is going to be so good defensively that you're going to see Joel Embiid get some Defensive Player of the Year award votes. Uh, who knows if he wins it? You know, uh, the, the incumbents seem to win that one pretty regularly, but I think Embiid will at least be the main reason for a really good defensive team. And if he's a defensive player of the year, putting up 28 points a game, 15 rebounds, it's going to be hard to look somewhere else for, for an MVP. I'm also expecting the Bucks to, I don't know if they're going to take a step back, but they're going to at least be the same. There's not a lot of improvements off of 60 wins. How many more wins are they going to really get this season running out 48 minutes of Lopez? I'm not, not that I'm down on the Bucks, but I just don't necessarily think that they're going to be as big of a surprise this year. And if they're not as big of a surprise, maybe uh, maybe the voters aren't quite as fired up about Giannis. So uh, that's how I landed on Embiid. I also uh, like the idea of rooting for a guy who's going to trash talk. I know he said that he's going to stop this year, but there's no way this guy's going to stop trash talking. Well, I also like that he did the Derrick Rose thing where he kind of threw his name into the discussion, right? Interviewed in the preseason. He has no problem telling you that he wants to win the defensive player of the year, that he wants to win MVP, which was part of the Rose narrative that season. I feel like it's one of those things where like we, we all saw the way that playoffs ended if things just go right in the regular season, I don't even know if Embiid has to be any better than he was last year. He was like 27 and 13 last year. And I feel like people would just take notice of it. If the Sixers win 60 games, if they're a one seed, he can just deliver the exact same year that he, that he just did. And he becomes a player who's, who's maybe at the top of the MVP discussion. 
I'm with you. He put up MVP numbers last year. But like you're saying, the narrative is a huge factor in MVP voting. Giannis was putting up just the exact same numbers, basically, as Joel Embiid. But the Sixer or the Bucks got off to a really hot start. Giannis kind of seized the crown as the front runner. And other players, James Harden included, were trying to knock Giannis off for the entire season. Embiid playing only 64 games while that was a career high for him. He just never was able to to get the Sixers uh, to be at the top of the Eastern Conference, which would give you some reasons to vote for him over Giannis. Not to mention, he wasn't outshining Giannis throughout the year. So I, I think if you're able to throw your name into the mix before the season starts, people are start thinking, yeah, maybe he could be the MVP. Get people talking early. They'll keep talking the entire I year. love the Joel Embiid pick. I, I was a coward and switched it last second. I stuck with him at defensive player of the year. <laughs> I just It just comes down to games played for, for me, man. I mean, if he plays 75... He would maybe I would be, be be my pick for MVP. I think they'd be the one seed. I, I have them coming out of the East. I think they're going to be so tough defensively, and I'm totally agree, man. Embiid's a monster. Yeah, the games played is obviously going to always be the worry with Embiid. It makes sense for the Sixers to keep him off the court sometimes, but I don't know. He seems to be getting healthier the longer he sticks in the league. Hopefully, that trend continues, and he's able to play in the 70s this year. Zion Williamson was the clear, no doubt, front runner, overwhelming favorite for rookie of the year. And now he's going to miss like two months. Best case scenario, he misses like six weeks. That's still a lot of time. Who from the remaining contenders would you say is the strongest candidate to win rookie of the year? Well, as soon as we found out the Zion news, we all took mulligans and picked a new rookie of the year. For me, (laughs) it was immediately on to RJ Barrett. I think between the opportunity he's going to have in New York with not a lot of scores there. Kevin Knox is maybe the guy who gets buckets the most readily. Julius Randle, you would kind of throw in the mix. Neither guy are going to be controlling the vast majority of possessions. I think RJ Barrett's going to have a ton of space to kind of to work his game. The percentages might not be great, but I imagine he'll at least put up some counting stats. And if you put up big numbers in New York, that's the biggest thing to be. That's the biggest factor for his rookie of the year candidacy is playing in New York. If he averages 20 a game in New York, that's like averaging 55 a game anywhere else. Yeah, I think I agree with that. And it's mostly about the stage. I feel like the numbers argument is probably going to belong to either John Morant or like maybe a Darius Garland because he sure looks like a guy who's going to chase points too. But I just don't like given comparable seasons, I can't imagine that voters are going to are going to pick Garland or Morant over a kid in New York who's probably going to hit a couple of game winners. He's probably going to average a really junky 20 or 21 points per game. They're going to be excited about it. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Knicks fans have been able to convince people that Mitchell Robinson (laughs) is going to be an all-star, that Ron Baker's an all-star, that Chris Copeland is the next wave of shooting big men. If you have a good third of a season for the Knicks, you're the future. (laughs) So RJ Barrett has an entire season here to make a name for himself on the biggest stage in the league. Who do you like for most improved? It's like it's an award that often just goes to a guy who gets a little bit more playing time than he had the year before and does all of the same things. But it's still to me, it's one of the most interesting awards to think about. Yeah, it's uh, it really rewards watching all of the summer workout videos. Whoever's hitting the most pump fakes <laughs> in the gym at Lifetime Fitness, maybe that's your guy. I do like to to look for a guy who goes from being on the fringes of star consideration to at least a possible all-star like Jimmy Butler was an understudy to Luol Deng when he won most improved a few years back. You've seen it with CJ McCollum. Even Giannis went from being a potential star to a superstar. So for me, the guy is Jamal Murray. 
people are going to be paying attention to the Nuggets this year. They caught the league by surprise a little bit last year. I think uh, Murray, after going through his first playoffs, is going to come in with a ton of confidence uh, into Denver. They should be a good team. They've got a lot of continuity, so they'll get a lot of wins. Jokic is an MVP candidate. He might not be the leading MVP candidate. So I think maybe you could see Jamal Murray siphon off some votes there if he becomes that reliable second guy who's showing up every single night. The answer is Marquise Chris. Dalton, who- the answer is Marquise Chris. Yeah, I was, I was going to throw this to you. I was going to throw this to you. Okay, guy who was out of the league to now a vital part of the uh, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not a homer at all. No, I'm all in with Jamal Murray's going to ball. But yeah, no, I, had, I hadn't thought of this one. But yeah, yeah, Marquise Chris. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's going to be their starting center here in the second half of the season. Dalton, you're not going to pick your boy uh, Fred Van Vliet. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, everyone loves him after game one. He looked really good and people loved him as a breakout. And yeah, it's coming. I, 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 you think they're going to still debate if he's going to start the two with Norman Powell or is he just locked in that back, backcourt now? I hope he's locked in, man. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, MIP is the wrong letters for Fred Van Vliet. We're talking MVP after night <laughs> one. How are you going to take Mr. Bet on yourself out of the starting lineup? Uh, the Raptors are starting basically two six foot guards with big shoulders. You don't see that very often in the NBA. It worked in night one. I guess Fred Van Vliet's confidence didn't waver at all over the summer because he looked like he picked up right where he left off. He's definitely an MIP contender. The correct answer to this one, I feel, by the way, is Shea Gilgis Alexander. I think he's going to have a, a crazy year, especially if Chris Paul gets traded. He's going to average 20, 22. I don't know. It's going to be a really good year because that guy chases buckets, too. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm a Shea fan. I think Tass picked him as uh, most improved. You are maybe are noticing that a lot of Canadians get picked for awards on No Dunks. <laughs> Pure coincidence. Uh, yes, I have not. That has not gone unnoticed. I, I do want to bring up, it might have been your first episode, predictions episode. The The topic, in fairness, was not even just bold prediction. I believe it was like a stupid bold prediction. And, and you throw out our Bulls as a playoff team. So explain to the people the path to the Bulls making the play. Like, God, I hope this is true. How does it happen? And then which presumed Eastern playoff team is left out if the Bulls are in? Oh, man, I I honestly don't know how to pitch it to you now, Andy. I've been (laughs) feeling so confident about the Bulls since the end of last year. They make great moves. They've been hitting. They've been hitting on their draft picks. They've been getting good guys. They I don't necessarily know if the Bulls have the absolute number one star yet. Zach Levine, if he makes more improvements this year, if he's ready to take a little bit more contact inside, maybe he is the star. I'm not 100 percent convinced, but they brought in pros. They brought in Thaddeus Young who is uh, a guy who fills in all the gaps defensively and offensively. He's going to be able to spell Carter and Markin and play with both of them. I really love that sighting. Also loved Thomas Sadoransky, who dominated in the FIBA World Championships. The Wizards looked so much better with him in the lineup in the Everybody Eats era after John Wall went out. <laughs> a fan of both of those guys. Kobe White looks like a player. I see now that Jim Boylan installed a punch clock for the players to check in when they get to practice. <laughs> They've got to be there 45 minutes early. We're not talking about strolling in 10 minutes early, getting ready to watch some film. You're there. You're eating in the cafeteria, which closes 30 minutes before practice. You got time. Jim Boylan has got the Bulls running. He's got the Bulls focused. They're going to be good this year because the Pistons are dropping out. Blake Griffin is already hurt. They were going to be on the razor's edge of contending for the playoffs anyways. I think that is the Bulls spot. That being said, they have not played a game yet. So my optimism is at an all-time high because if they come out and lose to the Hornets, it will be the disaster bulls right away. I know, but come on, they're going to be one and zero after this. Oh, Charlotte they're going to be one and zero. They might be twelve and zero the next time we talk. I don't know. <laughs> 
I thought Jim Boylan, by the way, was past all that high school stuff. Like that was um, uh, obviously some of his early coaching, some of the early sets they were running were like just straight out of the DuPage Valley Conference or something. And, and then the punch clock, though, the punch clock is amazing. That's a thing you do with your senior laden high school team during summer open gyms or something like that. Like that is incredible. Yeah, uh, the way Boylan got off as his start last year, got off on the wrong foot with the three hour practices. The leadership committee was not happy, but even Zach Levine <laughs> is saying all the right things. I guess I Jim Boylan came committee. and visited Zach Levine on vacation with his family in the Bahamas. So he's making amends. He's trying to, to, to get everybody together. And for some reason, the entirety of the NBA internet is buying into the Bulls this year. I was feeling confident when it was just me who thought the Bulls would be good and <laughs> other Bulls fans. But now everybody is picking them as their surprise playoff team. That, that makes me more scared than anything, even having Mr. Passion and Soul. I got a Bulls question. I got a quick Bulls question for you. Deeper fantasy leagues. He won't make you forget about Brad Miller anytime soon, mind you. But what about Daniel Gafford? He's getting some preseason buzz. I hope he plays. I hope he is. I hope Boylan isn't hesitant to play rookies. I think Kobe White falls into the same same realm as as a first-year player. Old-school guys are sometimes... um, they just don't want to play the rookies because they don't have the trust for him yet. But Gafford looks like he's able to bring them something that the Bulls haven't had in a few years, a super athletic guy who can run end to end and just kind of control the rim. It's a different look than the usual Bulls big guys. So I, I hope he gets some sort of run. He wanted to dunk everything during Summer League, which I which I applaud, which is the only way to approach Summer League. And the, the ball never came out once it went to him, which was which is also the way I would play in summer league. Like I liked everything about him, um, but I don't know that it translates to immediate winning in actual NBA game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. If you're leading the summer league in assists, you're doing it wrong. You should be leading the summer league in <laughs> yeah. shots or specifically in Gafford's case, dunks. I, uh, he looks like an exciting player at the very least, hopefully a rotation big. I wanted to ask before the... Call it a breakout performance because I was not aware of his level of of pure talent before the Lee Ellis breakout performance in the media tournament during the NBA finals. Did like did you even know what a cold blooded killer he was? Was that was that known to all? Lee is money as a shooter. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I bet if they, if he was actually a free throw shooter, he's shooting 85 to 90 percent. So I knew he had the jumper. But to come through in the clutch like that in overtime, people forget. He won the jump ball over Nate Duncan, who's got (laughs) six or seven inches on it. Lee skies up, gets it, comes down. The very first chance he gets from the bottom right corner, cash. I was surprised, but I was not shocked. People forget he won the jump. Yes, they do. People do, in fact, forget that he won the jump ball over Nate Duncan. Yeah, you know, people are always talking about the made shot. That comes up (laughs) all the time on Twitter, but uh, the true heads know about the jump ball. The show has been fantastic so far. It's it's. Great to hear you guys uh, together on a platform where you're not really limited by time, right? You can just ramble as long as you want to ramble. That's been really cool. Congratulations on the on the launch, on the relaunch. It's been awesome. And thanks for joining us, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. It has been a fun start for No Dunks. So far, the only time restraints we've had is when the other people who are renting offices not come by to <laughs> complain about the noise we're making. So I've had to cut down on my cackles a little bit, but it's something, uh, you know, it's a new season. We're all getting in the groove, so feeling all right. Sweet. Thanks, Thanks again. Man. Thanks, y'all. That was awesome. Catching up with Trey, um, like one of my favorite people in the business, one of my favorite former co-workers. Really good to talk to him. 
Uh, and that's going to just about do it. But before we leave our weekly, in case you missed it, Dalton, it's got to be this fantastic NBA slash Terminator hybrid ad with Kawhi, with Arnold. I have seen, not only have I seen it, but I have a couple of separate friends email me. Uh, my wife's cousin uh, texted me. Uh, yeah, you guys are leading with this. Yes, you, this is making a lot of buzz. <laughs> it's a totally normal laugh. He's a fun guy. Good thing. Otherwise, I'd have to terminate you. <laughs> Hasta la vista, baby. What it do, baby? <laughs> I'm actually, I'm kind of into the movie now. I, like, it was barely on my radar before, but I, I, I like a film that finds a way to make fun of Kawhi's apparent lack of humanity. Right. I was pretty into yeah, that. Yeah, and the, the laugh at the end is, act, is the kicker for sure. His laugh is so good. The laugh is a classic. The Sarah Connor cameo is a classic that I didn't see. Like, it was good. It was really, really good. Very well done. Yeah, he's, uh, yes. What, what's the other thing you got here? You have a couple stars below here, Andy. There's a special bonus one, is what I, is what I see. Sorry, it's staring <laughs> well, at me in the face here. Truth, truth be told, our producers wanted me to talk about the Terminator thing, but all I really wanted to talk about was the fact that Luol Dang is retiring as a bull. Um, congratulations to Luol on not a Hall of Fame career, I get it, but a great NBA career. He was, for a long stretch of time there, my favorite bull, which made him um, among my favorite NBA players. Luol, a total pro. He's become like a, I don't know, he's become a bit of a punchline, right? Because of the contract that he got late in his career that he obviously didn't necessarily live up to. But man, like what a grinder for a really fun Bulls team. Tibbs wore him down totally. I mean, whatever. It was a great team with championship aspirations, so... But that guy led the the NBA in minutes per game for a, a two or three straight seasons, about 39 minutes a game. He was so good in his prime. He was really fun to watch, too. And am I crazy or about seven years ago when my daughter was born, did you not send me a Luol Dang jersey? <laughs> did you not? A l- yeah, it was a little Luol Dang onesie. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, I wanted to. Yeah, that's a special place. I, in my heart. I wanted her to try to avoid um, the heartbreak that comes of being a Warriors fan <laughs> and maybe latch on to a to an emerging superpower in yeah. the East. But I don't I don't know if it's really It's taken. been a rough five-year stretch since, let me tell you. Yeah, for the Warriors fans, for sure. <laughs> but yes, but we salute you, Luel Dang. Great player. I remember he, he. I remember back when he was with Andres Nocioni every other year, they, they'd bounce back and forth who was the value. They overlapped a few years, right? Fantasy, right? Am I making that up? Yeah. Now, I will say, not to get off on like a Bulls of... 15 years ago tangent but Nocioni was one of my least favorite bulls <laughs> of course of all just time. like merit and people loved him people loved him because he would take his one stupid effing charge a game and he would get up from the floor and he would fist pump and the whole crowd would talk about like what a grindy tough guy he was Nocioni would let you set up wherever you wanted to set up he was like oh man he drove me guys who were like all histrionics like that just drive me crazy. I think he drove Noah crazy too. But I'm so know. glad I, I could get, get you fired up that. before we, we sign off here. Him, him and Nico, your two favorite guys. <laughs> I did not yeah. expect <laughs> to be talking Nocioni before we before we signed off. No, for sure. him and Nico, your two favorite guys, right? Oh my God, Nico, Nico, probably the the only bull that I have ever enjoyed less <laughs> than Nocioni. I don't I don't have a thing against Europeans either. It's not that at all. I like many of them, but man, those two just no, they didn't do it for me. Right. Well, look. I can't believe you got me thinking about Nico and Nocioni. That is freaking terrible. We have to sign off. I have to I have to get the stain of those two out of my head. That's going to do it. I hate to leave you on that note. I hate to leave you thinking about Andres effing Nocioni, but we will. 
So that, at last, is going to do it for us. Don't forget to follow Trey Kirby on Twitter. He was great. It was great having him on the show. Great checking in with him again. He is at Trey Kirby. Kirby is with an E. Also, subscribe. Write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend or two or three about the show. Follow us on Twitter. It's at Yahoo Fantasy. It's at Andy Barons. at Dalton Del Don. And with that, well, wait. Thanks to our producers, Sean. Thanks to Brett. That is it. We are out.